We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Kolschel. We were recording this episode on Wednesday, June 1st, as uh, we are getting to that time of the year where we are into June here. OTAs are still going on uh, for NFL teams right now, especially the Bears. They got one more week of voluntary OTAs before we get to mandatory veteran OTAs. So uh, really starting to get to really starting to get into the groove of things here, I think, for uh, NFL practices before the real off season hits in that late June all the way through July period where there's just nothing going on from an NFL standpoint. But uh, before we get into this topic of today's episode, you said, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. It is a bit slower. We're approaching the summer months here, but I still think that, you know, when it comes to the bears, there's a lot to talk about, especially with the amount of roster turnover that's happened this off season. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's really, of note that's going on right now first of all because it is june 1st we finally get to you know an important date for cap purposes where you know the bears get to clear i think just over seven million dollars in cap space because of uh Tariq cohen and dane trevathan's money officially now coming off the books because they were registered as a post june 1st release so I, that's probably the most notable thing in terms of news for the bears and in terms of other Bears news or Bears related news, I should say, uh, we have an old friend alert here as in recent days, uh, we got the news that Akeem Hicks uh, signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year deal worth up to $10 million uh, for that one year. So Akeem Hicks going to uh, join Tom Brady here to chase the ring here. And I, I think as he's starting to get up there in age, really starting to go um, to a spot where he can have the best chance of winning a Super Bowl here. So you said, um, before we get started on our topic, where today we're going to be breaking down um, a couple of things related to the 2020 class for the Bears, as we're having a, a pretty broad discussion on that class. Anything of note here that any thoughts that you have for uh, not only the cap 
purposes of the salary cap and some of the changes going on there. Um, but also Akeem Hicks making him final, finally finding his destination for the 2022 season. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at some of these moves, Akeem Hicks being all the way with the Buccaneers. Now, I mean, signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you have Danny Trevathan, Tariq Cohen being released. You have on top of that, you know, Khalil Mack being traded this off season. What this really signals to me is that the 2018 bears are effectively no more. I mean, you look at a majority of those players that were on that team. you James Daniels, Mitch Trubisky, they all signed with other teams this offseason. I mean, I think the best player remaining on the Bears right now from that 2018 team is probably Eddie Jackson at this point. And I would say Eddie Jackson over Roquan Smith simply because, again, Eddie Jackson had a monster season in 2018. But, you know, you look at these moves, I think it was just time. You know, I started with the Akeem Hicks one. And, again, you know, I'm happy for Akeem. Let's be honest. When we look back at this generation of Bears players, as we get ready and enter in the next generation of Bears players, Akeem Hicks is going to be one of those players that had such a major impact on the city. He was effectively such a fan favorite. I think I saw a stat somewhere on Twitter where his 88 QB hits are most in Bears franchise history since they began tracking QB hits back in 2006. He's really one of the staples of that great Bears defenses over the years. And you look at, you know, Cohen and Trevathan. I mean, these were two. Well, Trevathan, again, you know, was a really questionable. He was a good signing in free agency in 2016, but also a really questionable re-signing specifically because I think he only played one or two full seasons out of the six years that he was in here in Chicago. He's always constantly been injured or suspended. And you look at Tariq Cohen, who again, after 2019, his, I'm sorry, after 2018, his decline just started 2019, 2020, he admitted, well, I didn't take care of my body was out most of the 2020 season due to the ACL injury. Didn't really play in 2021. And so, this is one of those things. So I think, you know, you look at a lot of the Bears moves this offseason, like drafting Tristan Ebner, the running back, going ahead and signing Darrington Evans in free agency, bringing in guys like Jack Sanborn, the undrafted free agent, bringing in a player like a Nicholas Morrow via free agency on a one-year deal. It effectively just became time for the Bears to move on from Trevathan too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I go back to Akeem Hicks. I think – you know, he's probably one of my favorite Bears players of this last generation of Bears team, so to speak. And, you know, if Khalil Mack was the best player on those Bears defenses in 2018 through 2021, really 2020, 2018 through 2020, where that iteration of defenses were at their best. Um, you know, if Khalil Mack was the best player in those defenses and certainly the most impactful player in terms of elevating that unit into elite statuses and really all-time stats that we saw in 2018, at least for the last decade or so, defenses like that 28 Bears defense is one of the best defenses we've seen across the NFL over the last decade or so. And again, Mac was the number one guy in there in terms of overall impact, but Akeem Hicks was the top guy in terms of being the heart and soul, I think, of that defensive unit. Like when Akeem Hicks, when he was out of the lineup, especially in 2019 and 2020, and we saw it again this past season, 2021, uh, that Bears defense did not have the same level of swagger, did not have the same level of hard-hitting ability. Uh, it just wasn't the same unit overall. And Akeem Hicks, he had such a huge impact on the game as an interior pass rusher, as a disruptor. Um, I hope he has nothing but the most success uh, going into Tampa Bay here. And I hope he gets a chance of winning a Super Bowl ring, or at least at the very least, he gets a chance to knock out Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. I, I, I would hope, you know, that would be, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, getting that satisfaction of beating Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game would be uh, one B for me in terms of 
my wish list for Akeem Hicks. I hope he has a great year down there in Tampa Bay. And, you know, we'll see what happens for him this upcoming year. I think in more in a more limited role where he's more of a rotational piece, uh, he can have a ton of impact um, still, even though, you know, injuries have caught up to him. He can't play, I think, as high of a snap count as he could uh, a couple of years ago, and especially in 2018, where he was playing at a high level of snaps for that Bears defense. He's not that same player in terms of being able to play as much as he used to, but I think in shorter instances on a fewer snap counts, uh, this guy still has dominant ability. I, 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 Pity the teams that try to run on uh, that Buccaneers defense when Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks are on the, are on the field at the same time uh, for that defensive front for the Buccaneers defense. So I think it should be a fun time for Akeem Hicks. Obviously, we wish the best for him moving forward as he moves on in his career beyond Chicago. But like you said, you said it is uh, on to a new chapter here for this Bears team, on to a new generation of players here. And that's why I wanted to or we wanted to talk about for this episode, looking forward to this 2020 class and really reevaluating the 2020 class of the bears here as we we're kind of moving away from talking about the 2022 nfl draft so i think this is a good time to go into a retrospect about some of the older i wouldn't say older draft classes but some of these previous draft classes some of the last few drafts that ryan pace put together and looking forward to what they can contribute to the bears moving forward here as ryan poles takes over as the head of basically the head of football operations for uh, this Bears team moving forward. I mean, this is Ryan Pohl's show right now. He's got a lot of these younger players and rookie contracts that he's going to have to evaluate over the next couple of years to figure out whether they are guys that are worth keeping long-term as long-term pieces of the puzzle here for this Bears team. And I think you, know, you look at this 2020 class, let's just run through it before we get into discussing the specifics of each of these players here. Obviously, this was an odd year for the Bears. They went into this draft with not many draft picks once again, because Ryan Pace, you know, has to trade away those draft picks. Famously, he traded away a fourth-round comp pick this year um, in the trade for Nick Foles that the Bears would have gotten from uh, the compensation for losing Andrew Amos in free agency. That was probably the most famous thing regarding the drafts uh, ahead of the draft um, for Bears fans that remember that. I mean, what, gosh, what, an, what a terrible move that was, you know, trading a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles and then guarantee, basically guaranteeing him to stay, be on the roster for two-plus years, carrying that cap hit to this day. Uh, even though he's cut. I mean, just what an awful turn of events that was for the Bears franchise. Um, but you know, you, the Bears, they went into this draft with two second-round picks as a result of the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, they had a fifth-round, two fifth-round picks going. Well, no, no, not two fifth-round picks. They, they, moved, they maneuvered around quite a bit on day three where they ended up with three fifth-round picks and ended up with two seventh-round picks. So I'll just go through the picks right here, you say it, and then you know, we have a lot to discuss about these players moving up, moving towards this year um in the second round obviously uh they got at pick 43 and 50 overall cole Komet and jalen johnson's tight end and cornerbacks respectively i have notre dame and utah uh two guys that were expected to start right away and they pretty much did establish themselves as stars right away uh in the fifth round the bears trading a future fourth round pick for trevis gibson edge player out of tulsa taking a chance on his upside in the fifth round kindle vildor you know, that was their original fifth round pick in this draft, cornerback out of Georgia Southern, getting him in the fifth round. And then the trade up for Darnell Mooney in the fifth round, wide receiver out of Tulane. I think that's been one of the best moves of the Ryan Pace regime, probably when we look back at it. And then the seventh round getting Arlington Hambright and Chadia Simmons. So I'll start with you, you said on this. Um, we are two years through seeing this 2020 draft class come into fruition here. Um, and as we head into year three of evaluating these guys, what are your general thoughts on the Bears 2020 draft? 
Well, you know, at the time, I thought that this was a class that was really mm-hmm. low risk, high reward type of when it came to just looking at the draft that the Bears had assembled on paper. And you look at some of the later draft picks like a Travis Gibson, a Kendall Vildor, even a Darnell Mooney. And I think the general thought and consensus was that, OK, the Bears have something in each of these guys, but how much do they really have is what matters the most. Now, I think that looking at this draft class sitting here two seasons later going into year three, some of that is still true, right? You're looking at, well, we're still waiting for Cole Komet to reach his true ceiling, who, by the way, he did have a bit of a jump in production from 2021 to his rookie season. And then you look at a player like a Jalen Johnson, who I still think is ascending, but it just has been hampered by some of these shoulder injuries. I think that, you know, really good coaching by Matt Eberflus is going to bring out the best Jalen Johnson. And then you go all the way to round five, you know, Travis Gibson last season. I mean, people aren't going to admit this, but he did pretty well for a player that was asked to fill in for a former defensive player of the year, an all pro caliber player in Khalil Mack. You look at Kendall Vildor, who should not be starting again. He's going to be someone that enters this training camp on the roster bubble. And the only way he's going to make it is if he shows significantly, he's able to be a gunner on special teams and really just be a strong special teams contributor. I think Darnell Mooney, again, is going to end up being the best player from this class. And the reason I say that, and I brought this argument out a couple of weeks ago on social media, but when you look at Mooney's first two seasons in the NFL, he pretty much went ahead and had, Four starting quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Justin Fields, and Andy Dalton. And last season, he cycled through three starting quarterbacks, but he still put up, you know, a thousand something yards. And so I think Mooney's with consistent QB play and Justin Fields at the helm, he's going to continue to get better because that's a connection that is going to define the Bears offense for 2021. And then you look at some of the later round pieces like an Arlington Hambright and Lacavia Simmons. I mean, let's just be honest. My thought process on those guys hasn't even changed just a bit because we knew at that point they were just depth pieces and camp bodies. And that's still what they are is depth pieces and camp bodies. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think, you know, when I originally, when we originally covered this draft class, um, you know, my opinion of it, I think has kind of, kind of been, you know, nailed spot on here. Obviously, Darnell Mooney has surprised a little bit more and flashed more than I ever imagined he could. Like, I, I was really high on the pick when they made it, but I did not imagine it would be as good as he has been um, so far for the Bears. So that's a huge positive for this class. But, you know, I look at this class and I think, 
I, I think overall you're looking at this as a solid looking draft here for Ryan Pace, but I don't, I don't think it's quite as good as I think Bears fans wanted to make it seem like it is like, I, you know, everyone knows uh, my thoughts on the Cole Komet pick. I was not a fan of the Cole Komet pick and I'm still not a fan of it here two years later. And it's not that Cole Komet has necessarily been a bad player or a bust or anything like that. It's just the fact that, um, you know, I look at Cole Komet, he's exactly what I thought he was going to be um, coming out of Notre Dame. You know, he's not you know, the greatest athlete in the world for the tight end position. He's not that kind of you know, mismatch weapon in the passing game that you want to take a chance on high in the first and early second round of the drafts. You know, he's a traditional wide tight end. Um, you know, he's going to contribute in the run game as a blocker. You know, he's a nice, solid possession guy underneath. You know, he can't pick up some yards as a catch, but he's not the most dynamic player in terms of stretching the field in the seam. Um, he's not the greatest yak threat in terms of creating explosive plays in the passing game. He still cannot beat man coverage to save his life in the passing game. You know, he's not the greatest separate in the world. And, you know, I'm very disappointed with his red zone production so far. Some of that is the offense. Some of that is, you know, this guy – you know, Komet is just not the greatest red zone player as of right now. He's just not that natural go up and go get it over, you know, somebody in, in terms of being a receiver like that. So, um, you know, Komet has been exactly what I thought. You know, he's been a solid player. He's kind of like a low-end starting tight end as of right now. He'll need to prove a lot more going forward to show to Ryan Poles and company that he's a guy that can, you know, you can build your offense around as a legitimate weapon as part of your passing game. I know he had over 600 yards receiving last year, but keep in mind, Bears fans, a lot of that came on checkdowns and underneath stuff that was really inconsequential to the play. Like he did not have, um, you look at his, in terms of converting those receptions into first downs, like only 29 of his 60 receptions converted into first downs. That's less than 50%. That's now what you want for a, a tight end moving forward. You want it to be a lot higher than that in terms of converting those receptions into first down. Otherwise, it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of fluff. And I think that's what a lot of Komet's stats were last year, a lot of fluff. Um, he needs to be a little bit more impactful, I think, moving forward and really have true, meaningful reps in the passing game as a receiver and really establish himself there. Uh, I know we'll talk about this more when we get to, you know, what our expectations are for 2022 and what we need to see from the moving forward. But I, I think Komet has been just about what we thought he was going to be uh, when he was drafted, unfortunately. Um, and then you get to Jalen Johnson. You know, Jalen Johnson stepped in as a starter right away uh, as a second-round pick in 2020. And I think he's been about what, again, right about what I thought but I think we thought he was going to be as a player, you know, that physical uh, outside corner who is good in press, very good instincts in zone, maybe doesn't have the greatest, you know, track record in terms of skills, you know, on the ball, making plays on the ball um, in terms of getting interceptions and turnovers and takeaways. Some of that is scheme related. Some of that is um, how he's been targeted. Um, but I think you look at Jalen Johnson and he's just been rock solid for you over these past two years and certainly you hope that he takes another step going forward in the 2022 and then day three is where I think you know Ryan Pace it's like the it was a common theme for Ryan Pace in his drafts where it seemed like he did a much better job on day three of the draft getting um, contributing players than he did on day one and day two of the draft I think that kind of played out um, similarly here you know Travis Gibson and Darnell Mooney have both been um, really fantastic picks you know for that Ryan Pace regime uh, Travis Gibson, I thought he did a nice job stepping up last year when Robert Quinn, um, you know, he stepped up obviously getting 18 sacks last year, but when Cleo Mack went down, um, 
you know, the pass rush, while it was not as good as when Khalil Mack was in the lineup, um, you know, it didn't drop up, drop off as much as it could have, I think, with a lesser player, um, if if a lesser player was coming in to replace Kelly Mack. And Travis Gibson, while you want to see the pressure numbers get higher, um, you know, he had seven sacks last year, which is solid production for a number three edge rusher for you. Um, again, a lot of his work was as a number three rotational edge rusher. I don't, I don't think the coaching staff really unleashed him or put him in a position to get as many reps as he should have, you know, late in the year, you know, they, they were getting guys off the street, like Bruce Irvin was getting more reps than Travis Gibson, some games like off the street, like it made no sense last year. Just another sticking point with this coaching, uh, last, this last coaching staff. But anyway, Travis Gibson, I think you have to look at what he's done these first years, really promising stuff. He was always thought of to be a project player coming out of Tulsa. He kind of played a hybrid interior edge role at Tulsa and was asked to kind of convert into a true uh, three, four edge outside linebacker, which is a tough transition to make. He really had to change his body type um, during his rookie season and through four parts of his second season. And now we're just getting to the point where I think we're just starting to see him uh, scratch the surface of his ceiling moving forward. So uh, I'm really excited to see what we get out of Travis Gibson. Um, you know, Kendall Fildor did not work out whatsoever. We can talk about that when we get to our expectation for 2022. But Darnell Mooney has been, I think, the bright spot of this draft class. He's probably been the best player in this draft class for the Bears so far. Uh, you look at what he did his rookie year, 61 receptions for 631 yards um, for touchdowns. Obviously, the, you know, the efficiency not quite as there. He only had six and a half yards per target. Uh, his yards for reception were down 10.3. You know, it seemed like Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles were just not able to connect with him as a deep threat. There were many times during his rookie season where Darnell Mooney was open deep and Trubisky and Nick Foles just weren't able to uh, convert on those deep shots. Um, and I thought, you know, when Darnell Mooney had to step up and kind of be, he was basically uh, the number one option for the Bears last year. He stepped up and really, I think, took another step forward. Obviously, his catch rate went down from 62% to 58% last year, but his yards per target went up. His yards per reception went up. Uh, he had, like you said, 1,000 yards receiving. Now, a lot of that is because, you know, he's the only – he was the, pretty much with Allen Robinson either injured for large parts of the season last year or just, you know, not the same guy that we've seen from him in the past. Mooney was a, a, effectively the only legitimate option in the passing game last year. So he kind of had to be force-fed targets, which I think goes into the volume. But I, I think the pauses that we saw here was the jump in efficiency um, and the chemistry that he showed with Justin Fields. Those two have really clicked. And again, we'll talk about where our expectations are for them going forward here. But a lot of positive stuff for Donald Mooney. And then in the seventh round, Hambright and, and Simmons are, you know, whatever. You know, they're practice squad depth at this point. When Simmons played um, last year against Tampa Bay, it was not pretty whatsoever. Like you don't, I don't, I don't anticipate him being a part of the long-term plans for the Bears moving forward. So we talked about what they've done. Some of these guys have done so far this year. I, I think now that we've seen two years of film on these guys, the expectations start to come in for what they're going to be moving forward here. So now that we've seen where these guys are at right now, now we have to talk, start talking about what we think they can be moving forward for this Bears regime and for 2022 and beyond. So you say, I'll start with you on this. You know, let's just break it down player by player. Cole Komet, let's start with him. You know, what are your expectations for him in 2022? And do you think with the film that he's put on so far that, you know, we can see him as a long-term piece? And if not, what does he need to do this year to prove that he's a long-term piece? 
yellow coca man i think and you described it perfectly because the one word i use with him through his first two years is that he's had his ups he's had his downs but the reality of the situation is let's be honest that 2020 tight end class was not a very good class by any means and a lot of people had no tight ends going in the first two rounds i actually think Kmet was the highest graded tight end and was graded out as a high third round pick but i think you know cole he's just been underwhelming the first two seasons now moving forward i think in 2022 he's got he out of all these players has more than anything to prove because you're a high draft pick so also for him what it just comes down to is this is can he become a legitimate option in the receiving game for the bears like let's be honest okay Bears fans want to get into it with the national media all the time on social media and say, well, you know, the Bears really don't have weapons. The reality is that the Bears skill position player group is not necessarily anything that's going to blow you away or keep a defensive coordinator up at night, if we're going to be honest about that. And, you know, so for Cole Komet, it's just the question is, can he develop into a legitimate receiving threat? You know, we know what he is as a blocker. He's a solid blocker. I would even argue this is there a possible scenario in this outside zone scheme that you look to line up Cole Komet as a lead blocker in terms of lining him up as a fullback is that something Luke Getze goes ahead and possibly considers but the reality is for him to take that next step he needs to one be consistent and number two just develop into a legitimate downfield threat in the passing game and when I say downfield threat I want to you know kind of point out here that does not mean running down the seam on every single play. No, he needs to be able to really go ahead and diversify his route tree. And if he's really going to take a true next step, I would argue this, that he needs to learn how to operate from the slot too, so as to give the Bears an opportunity to possibly have a mismatch weapon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, at this point, I mean, look, if you're going to draft a tight end high, you want him ideally to be that mismatched weapon in the passing, like you said. That's not Cole Komet's game. I don't think that's ever going to be Cole Komet's game. He just doesn't have the athletic profile. Um, you know, you don't see the agility in his routes uh, like, you know, you see other receiving tight ends in the league. You don't see that explosiveness um, when he does get the top speed that you see from other guys. Like, that's just not his game. Does that mean that he can't find a solid role for himself and establish himself as a long-term option here for the Bears? No, it doesn't mean that whatsoever. And he could certainly, um, you know, surpass my expectations but moving forward to be a long-term option i'm just not as optimistic on that now i will say um there is a a wide spectrum of opinions on cole commit on bears twitter i've been aware of this for many times when i've got to heated debates on cole commit on bears twitter um you know i think the most ridiculous take i've seen was uh i saw a tweet out there that you know the expectation for cole commit this year should be that at minimum his floor for this upcoming year, stat-wise, should be that he's getting at least 800 receiving yards and at least eight, I think it was, eight receiving touchdowns, which if you look at what tight ends accomplished that last year, only three tight ends in the NFL accomplished that last year. And I think that was Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Dalton Schultz. And that's it. 
So if your expectations are that for Colt Komet, I have a, I, I question that logic right there because, you know, you're basically asking him for B to be going from what he has been, which has been a low level starting tight end to an elite tight end in basically one year. And n- no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Colt Komet only has two touchdowns in his entire career so far. So, uh, you know, he hasn't proven that he's, you know, a mismatch weapon in the passing game. He hasn't proven he's a red zone threat. Um, you know, we have to have realistic op- uh, expectations for what Cole Komet can be in this offense. And I think, you know, the Bears offense in this wide zone scheme, they want to be able to run the ball. I think based off of the personnel of this roster, it looks like we're going to be getting a lot of 12 personnel and 13 personnel with, you know, Kerry Blossom game coming in as a fullback. So, you know, Cole Komet's going to be in line a lot. and He's going to be used, I think, a lot as a blocker for this offense here. So will he be getting a ton of production as a receiver? He could, he could certainly be get, be force fed targets as, you know, in that play action boot rollout type of game, like we saw in 2020 quite a bit where he's the option in the flat and getting yards after the catch that could be the, uh, that could be his primary function here. Um, and he could rack up a lot of yards that way. I think um, if he's schemed open that way, does that necessarily mean that he's going to be an impactful player for this offense moving forward? I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I don't really have high expectations for Cole Komet. I think he could be a little bit better. I, I just don't know. You know, he was one of the few players I thought actually benefited from Matt Nagy's scheme over the past couple of years because they did go out of their way to force feed him targets and try to get him the ball. And, you know, when you're force feeding a guy targets that isn't really doesn't really warrant those targets, you know, you're going to see mixed results. And we saw that the last couple of years. So um, it, it all depends, I think, on the scheme going forward here. Um, we know that, you know, this, this offense has a tendency of being able to scheme tight ends open quite a bit um, and get these guys the ball in space where they can get yards after the catch. And we've seen with George Kittle quite often, Robert Tunyon in Green Bay um, had what, like 13 touchdown receptions one year, um, basically just getting schemed open a lot. So um, we could see a little bit of a break for Cole Komet if he hits an optimistic projection. Realistically, though, he's probably going to be a guy that, you know, contributes as a blocker quite a bit, gets you about 500 to 600 yards receiving, and a couple more touchdowns here probably is what your realistic expectations are. Is that enough for him to be a long-term piece moving forward? I, I don't know. I think Ryan Pohl is going to look to upgrade that position eventually and get somebody who's got a little bit more explosiveness and more versatility in the passing game. Now, in terms of the other second round pick here, that this is where things get interesting for me uh, because Jalen Johnson, he's shown you um, a lot of positive in terms of um, if you're really high on him and see him as a true number one corner going forward, there's a lot of examples on tape where he's been a number one corner. Uh, there's also been a lot of examples on tape where he quite hasn't lived up to being that type of guy. Although the overall package you'd say is definitely that he's been worthy of a second round pick so far. So your expectations you say of Jalen and heading into 2022 and do you think he's done enough to earn a spot here as a long-term piece moving forward yeah you know i think he has done enough to earn a spot as a long-term piece because i think what we're going to see going into 2022 is jalen johnson is going to take a massive step forward because the head coach of the bears matt eberflus now just has a knack for developing these players in the secondary and as i've referenced on this show and multiple other shows throughout the last couple of weeks here is just the fact that, and really since Matt Eberflus was hired, it's just the fact that, you know, Matt Eberflus did not have any top tier lockdown corners in Indianapolis or even any top tier lockdown DBs. Let's be honest. I mean, his best coaching was done with defensive backs that 
none of them were first round picks except Xavier Rhodes, who again was a first round pick of the Minnesota Vikings, but even Rhodes is on the tail end of his career. But the reality is that all those guys, you know, like a Julian Blackman, like a Rock Yassin, like a Kenny Moore, they're all, you know, day two, day three picks. And so ultimately I think there's so much potential here for Jalen Johnson to break out. And I still think, like I said, he's scratching the surface of what he's really going to go ahead and develop into. But then also I think what matters is this, is that you see the, athleticism that he has you see that he's overall just a good athlete he's able to kind of diagnose plays before they happen he's really solid in coverage has pretty good arm length as well there were times I think last year where Jalen Johnson was literally running the route that the wide receiver was running before the wide receiver was actually running the route the handful of times that they actually got on replay so I think you know Jalen Johnson overall he is a long-term building block now some of these deficiencies kind of do pop up where there's been times where it's just been a simple miscommunication secondary that has kind of led to a busted coverage. I just think that's more than anything. It's going to be fixed with the right coaching, but overall, you know, I think the arrow for Johnson is pointing up more than a lot of people like to think. Yeah. I'm almost expecting Jalen Johnson to break out this year because I think Iberflus' defense is kind of the perfect fit for who he is and what he does as a player. And I think, uh, I think very similarly, um, he, he, you mentioned Xavier Rhodes. I think Dylan Johnson actually fits perfectly in terms of what Iberflus asked Xavier Rhodes to do in this defense. He's going to do the exact same thing with Jalen Johnson, I feel like. And Jalen Johnson can thrive in that role is that, you know, physical press corner. But here's the thing about Iberflus' defense is they don't really run a lot of man coverages. It's mostly uh, a mix and match of different zone coverages, um, where you know defensive backs have their eyes on the quarterbacks, but they also add some um, zone matching you know schemes in there where it's essentially man coverage, except you're just manning up the guy that runs into your zone. It, it's zone coverage that converts into man coverage, and I think you know Jalen Johnson, he's very good at that those sort of concepts, running those with his instincts there. I think in in, uh, in pure man coverage, you know his lack of top end speed and you know, some lack of agility, you know, he's, he's still very agile, but some lack of agility against some of the quicker players in the NFL, quicker wide receivers, it can get him beat quite a bit pretty easily sometimes. And we see, we've seen that with some of the elite guys like Devontae Adams has, has given him a ton of trouble the last couple of years where Jalen Johnson, you know, if he misses his punch, the rap is basically over because Devontae Adams is so shifty and so, so good as a route runner that, you know, it's just easy separation for him right there. We saw that a couple of times last year when they played each other. Um, so, you know, Jalen Johnson, is he a, again, it comes back to the expectations thing. Is he a number one, true number one shutdown corner? No, probably won't be. Doesn't pro- probably doesn't have, uh, quite the skill set to be that true, like run all around the defense, you know, shadow the team's number one wide receiver and lock them down type of guy. Is he that? No, I, I don't think he's on that level. He's not a Jalen Ramsey. He's not a, you know, Darrell Rebus, not on that plays a player let's just get that out of the way right now if he does develop into that that'd be fantastic but as of now I, I don't see that being the case and we've seen a common theme for Jalen Johnson over the past two years where you know he'll start off really strong show some really nice things early on in the year and it just seems like over the course of the year whether it's dealing with an injury like he did his rookie year or teams figuring him out a little bit and exposing some of his bad tendencies. You know, he starts to slow down as the year progresses and teams start to uh, take advantage of his weaknesses and, and weak spots in this game a little bit more as the season goes on. And he gets beat, you know, pretty badly sometimes uh, late in the year. We've, we've seen that come multiple times now where he started up hot and gotten colder as the years progressed. And so you hope that, you know, with Iberflus coming in here and 
bringing a system that protects its cornerbacks a little bit more, doesn't ask them to do as much, and will put him in positions to where he's got his eyes on the quarterback now and he can use his instincts to go make plays on the ball, that we really see Jalen Johnson play to his strengths here and have that breakout going into this year. I think I think it's coming. I, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready. Again, I'm not really – it comes back to what this regime thinks of him obviously, and whether they see him as a number one guy or a guy that's worth building around. But I think Jalen Johnson has shown enough to where um, – I agree. I think uh, he has shown enough to where he is a long-term piece moving forward. I think he's going to have a great year going into 2022. I'm not sure he's going to be a Pro Bowl or anything, you know, with his getting those accolades or anything like that. But I think he's going to establish himself as um, a true, you know, number one or number two corner here long-term for this Bears defense. And uh, I think it's going to – parlay him or you know propel him into getting a contract extension next offseason when that eventually that decision eventually rolls around for Ryan Poles next year where he's going to have to make decisions on whether he's going to keep some of these guys in free agency whether he's going to you know get those extensions done earlier or not so yeah Jalen Johnson I'm very high on what he can do in this defense here I'm looking forward to what he does in 2022 now in terms of players we're looking forward to here I think when we look at the day three and some of the you know the five draft picks here we can ignore the seventh round picks you said and, and just leave those by the wayside uh for now let's just focus on the fifth round picks for this discussion here when we look at our expectations um so I'm going to start with the first pick here and that's Travis Gibson you say what are your expectations for Travis Gibson and what do you think he has to do to prove himself as you know an edge rusher that this team can build around moving forward yeah i think my expectations for travis gibson are just go out and be the best edge rusher you can be obviously you know the foundation of the expectations for travis gibson come down to the fact that this is his first full year starting i started looking at some of his numbers and some of his tape and again he started about eight or nine games last year because of the Khalil Mack injury. Like we mentioned at the start of the episode, we're kind of just digging into this class, but ultimately I think, you know, what it is with Travis Gibson is this, is that he's such an interesting case study. And I say that because while at Tulsa, he was a four, three defensive end. And then he comes to the bears. And for whatever reason, the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy regime just loved to take four, three defensive ends and convert them into three, four outside linebackers, which again, worked at times, but didn't necessarily work. And so as a result, now Gibson's going back to a four, three, and he pretty much acknowledged this offseason. He's like, yeah, you know, I remember playing some of this in my college days. So the transition back to four, three, isn't necessarily going to be as hard for me. And I think that, you know, the sky's the limit for him this off season and just going into the season. I will say though, he is going to be one of the more scrutinized players in training camp. That's definitely something I would expect if people feel like Travis Gibson's not performing like he's supposed to. But I also think you just look at the way that his body is kind of transformed this off season in terms of the way that he has gone about just kind of shifting his body type. I would definitely say he's added more muscle, but then more than anything, he's definitely gotten more lean, which I think is just going to overall as a player, help him play faster and convert more speed to power. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, the expectations are going to be different now. He's going from, you know, a position where he had, I, I know Khalil Mack was injured last year, but, you know, he, he was basically the backup to Khalil Mack last year, stepping in for him when he got injured. Um, it, it's a lot different now that he's basically going to be the full-time, if not the full-time star, because they did bring Al-Kadi Muhammad in free agency, kind of fits that role of a early down run defender. I'm not sure how they're going to like mix and match these ad rushes, but I'm assuming that all three of these guys between Robert Quinn, Muhammad and Gibson are going to be the main three guys that they rotate through in this defensive line, you know, defensive edge, defensive end, whatever you want to call it rotation here. Um, but the expectations are going to be a lot different because, you know, it's not just enough to be getting those splash plays here and there, which Gibson did quite a bit last year. He had a lot of flash plays, but there were also a lot of plays where, you know, he wasn't, very impactful or you know he was getting beat by opposing tackles in the passing game and the, and in the run game to some degree as well he's gonna have to be a lot more impactful on a down-to-down basis now that he's expected to come in and be a full-time contributor full-time starter whatever you want to call that whatever you want to call his role i'm really curious to see what Eber Flusen is and his defensive coaching staff wants to do with gibson because you talk about converting back to a four three you know do they see him as a you know just a typical 4-3 defensive end where he's rushing off the edge all the time or does he transition to more of a role that he did at Tulsa where if we remember from his days at Tulsa he played a lot in the interior especially in pass rushing situations and they used him quite a bit there so does Iwaflus and his coaching staff want to make him a hybrid player do they want him to be just an edge player I don't know we'll see what happens when we get the training camp and we get a better idea of where all the pieces fit on this defensive line here, because certainly they do have a need here with this Bears team to get some more juice from the interior pass rush. That's probably, if you're looking at a weakness for this defensive front, it's that right now. The the interior pass rush is lacking right now. They don't have that guy that can really um, create havoc in the interior and you know push the pocket and get a lot of pressure there. And could they see Travis Gibson being a guy that can contribute in that way, you know, on limited snaps? Maybe, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I think for me, you know, I'm not expecting him to like break out as this, you know, superstar player or anything, but I do see Travis Gibson taking another step forward here, just based off of his profile, uh, just some of the stuff he developed last year and, you know, some of the things that we saw from him last season where, you know, we saw him add more variety to his move. We saw him add a ghost move to his profile as a speed rush. We saw him being able to add um, some speed to power uh, elements to his game, you know, some technical refinement. I know a lot of his sacks, you know, he had a couple sacks where it was just, you know, beating a tight end. And you know, there's really not much to take away from that. You know, defensive ends should beat tight ends in the passing game off of, you know, those play action concepts. Um, that's something where, again, that's kind of fluky, but you you definitely like it that he he's shown that he can do that. Um, but, you know, I want to see him being able to do is be able to beat right tackles and left tackles more consistently as a true pass rusher off the edge. Um Continue to add a variety of moves to his arsenal here. He's he's shown a, a, a cross chop. He's shown a swim move. He's shown that ghost move off the edge, you know, beating off of the tackles around the edge with the speed and flexibility. Those are all good stuff there. Continue to refine that and get better at that. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, again, with 17 games, you know, he could be, you know, a guy that if he can prove, could be a double-digit sack guy. Now, I think there could be some regression uh, this next upcoming year because, you know, Gibson, while he did have, I think, seven official stacks, according to a uh, pro football reference here, um, he did not generate a ton of pressure. So his sack to pressure ratio, I know it's kind of getting into the nitty gritty, you know, nerdy aspect of things. Uh, so bear with me, Bears fans. But, um, you know, he did not generate, a, 
you know, he generated a higher number of sacks relative to what you expect his win rate and pressure rate was uh, last year. So that's going to be, I think the biggest thing is him generating pressure more consistently. And if he generates pressure more consistently, those sack numbers should be even, should be able to not, if not only uh, stay the same or similar, but, you know, hopefully rise and escalate moving forward here. So I think that's the expectation. You know, I'm not ready to say whether he's a long-term piece or not. You say it. I think you know, he needs one more year to prove himself here. And I mean, typically year three is the year where you find out what these guys are moving forward here. But I expect Travis Gibson to take another step forward here, whether that makes him a long-term starter or not, you know, we'll see. But Travis Gibson, I thought I was encouraged with what he did last year. And I'm encouraged by what his development track is going to next year. Now, in terms of a fifth round pick that I'm a little bit lower on, let's get into Kindle Vildor here. You say, I'll just do my thoughts here first because they're pretty quick. You know, Kindle Vildor, he was one of the worst starting cornerbacks in the NFL last year. I think, you know, the Bears, the last regime really put him in a spot to fail because they basically, into training camp, handed him the cornerback, the starting cornerback job with, relatively zero competition. I mean, they brought in Desmond Trufant, but he was cut midway through training camp. So that wasn't really a competition for him um, at that outside cornerback spot. They basically expected him to take a step forward without him ever showing that was the case. And I think that backfired tremendously. He really struggled last year. I'm not sure if he's a fit for this year and they've already drafted Cal Gordon. So I, I think the bears don't really see him as a long-term piece either. So uh, you said, what are your thoughts on killing the going into 2022? Yeah, he's, I mean, like I said earlier in the episode, he's on the roster bubble. I think when you look at Kendall Vilsler's film at Georgia Southern, the big thing to understand was just the fact that he was arguably most effective in the slot. Okay. And I think that, you know, when, look, when you take this back about two years and you look at Kendall's rookie season, there were a lot of flashes, but those flashes came because he was primarily playing in the slot because Buster Screen was hurt in some games. And so what do you even see in Kendall? Do you see a player that's a cornerback that's such a liability in coverage, both man and zone, but then you see a player who's a pretty good run stopper. And as a cornerback, your primary job is to go ahead and be an anchor in pass coverage. So ultimately, when you look at Kindle, you know, going into 2022, he's on the roster bubble. He's got an outside shot to make this roster unless he shows up in training camp and the Bears give him a chance to complete for the slot spot, which I think even that you look at, it's going to be an uphill battle for him because the Bears added Tavon Young. Thomas Graham Jr. is another player there that I think would arguably just based off upside would be a better fit than Kendall Vildor and probably a lock to start over anything that Vildor has to offer at this point. But I think what you're getting is an extremely limited cornerback who, if he does make this roster, will make it as a special teams player. Yeah, it's certainly not a uh, it's certainly not a given that Kendall Vildor will make the roster this year. I think it's very possible that he doesn't make the roster coming out of training camp. Again, the Bears have pretty much overhauled the secondary over this past offseason, they brought in Kyler Gordon, they brought in Tavon Young to be uh, to compete for a slot cornerback position. Thomas Graham, I think, showed a lot more last year, and I think he's a good fit for what he refuse wants to do on defense here. And also, I mean, Kendall Vildor, he's more of a man press type of cornerback with his quickness and shiftiness. He's not necessarily more, he's not necessarily a zone cornerback. He doesn't really have the instincts or, um, you know, eye discipline, I think, to kind of play that zone coverage that I think Eberflus wants to do here. So it's very likely that the Bears will be moving on from Kundi Vildor, whether it's this year or next year. 
you know, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but overall, you know, again, I, I neither of us are pretty are very high on what Kimba Vilder will add to this Bears roster moving forward. It's just one of those things where, again, they took a flyer on a fifth-round pick, a guy with a ton of upside in terms of athletic ability. And in the fifth round, some of those guys just don't pan out, and there's a reason for that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Kimba Vilder here. But the last player to talk about that we'll discuss here before we end this podcast, you say it is probably the gem of this draft class as a whole, and that's Darnell Mooney. Uh, again, the Bears trade up for this guy. They saw big things in the last regime, both Nagy and Pace, you know, clearly thought this guy could be a true weapon in this offense, and he proved to be that. Um, you look at what he's done these, these past few years, over 1,600 yards receiving um, in his career so far through two years. Like, he's been an excellent player so far. But what can he do moving forward here now that he's basically the – by default, the number one guy for this offense, really the only, I, I look at this offensive uh, roster, he's really the only legitimate weapon on this Bears receiving core right now. So you say, I'll start with you. What are your expectations for Darnell Mooney? Um, and do you think he's the guy moving forward for the Bears in this wide receiver room? Yeah, I do think he is the guy moving forward. And simply because when you look at the way the stars are kind of aligned for the Bears, you know, they had an opportunity to go out and sign guys like DJ Chark and Christian Kirk and even Juju Smith-Schuster but then the regime felt like the price tag for all three of those players was incredibly high so when you settle on a couple of lower tier options like a Byron Pringle and an Equinemia St. Brown I think it puts more pressure on Darnell Mooney to really show up and show out and look like I said, Mooney cycled through four starting QBs his first two seasons in the league. And last season was his best season to date, even though it's only a second season. So now going forward, you kind of wonder how much production and increase in production can Mooney see when there is that consistent, stable presence at the quarterback position, right? I think I'm expecting around 80 to 90 receptions and around 12 to 1300 receiving yards for Mooney this season. I know for a fact, it's not going to be something that's quote unquote elite, just looking at the receiver talent across the NFL, but I still think it's worth warranting that Mooney doesn't need to be great for other teams. He just has to be a great receiver for the bears. And that's about it. So the expectations again are sky high because of, you know, a wide receiver room that this year compared to last year has gotten worse. But the fact being is that there's a lot more talent that's there to really take it to another level. It all starts and ends with Mooney. And when we talk about foundational pillars for the Bears offense, I mentioned the running game. But I also think that Darnell Mooney is one of those foundational pillars, as is his connection with Justin Fields. Yeah, Mooney, his connection with Justin Fields, I think, is really the biggest selling point for him as a long-term piece for the Bears because – Ever since day one, those two have been basically inseparable um, from the get-go. They've been working out together in the offseason constantly. Um, they really struck a chord, I think, in training camp last year, even though Jenny, Justin Fields didn't get a ton of reps with the ones. Um, you knew watching them in practice that him and Darnold Mooney had that connection. Things clicked for them, and we saw that happen when we got to the games. Darnold Mooney was a much better receiver when Justin Fields was in the game. His production went up. His efficiency went up. Um, everything was a lot better with Justin Fields in the game. And Justin Fields, I thought, was better because he had a guy like Darnold Mooney that he had that connection with. And I think both of their skill sets really complement each other very well. You know, Darnold Mooney, he's someone who can get separation in the underneath to intermediate parts of the field, which is good for Justin Fields, who I think needs to have receivers that can get separation to maximize his ability. You know, he's still quickening up that process right now as a player. So having receivers that can get open and get 
separation from DVs is very is important for Justin Fields because I think he's still in the stage right now where he needs to see receivers open before he's ready to pull the trigger and anticipate guys getting open. You know, I guess in, in retrospect of you know again that's why he probably struggled with a guy like Allen Robinson who Allen Robinson can get separation but he's more of a contested cash possession guy. So he probably struggled with a guy like Justin Fields because Justin Fields needs to see guys getting open at this stage and see them open. Um, and also Darnold Moody because of his speed and deep threat ability, perfect fit for a guy like Justin Fields throwing the ball deep work. That is Justin Fields' greatest skill set. His arm talent, throwing the ball, throw, throwing the ball deep. Um, his accuracy, throwing the ball deep. Like we saw a couple of big connections last year between Darnold Mooney and Justin Fields, you know, both in a deep passing game, working off scripts, on script stuff, like, it's a very exciting connection there. And I think that's what makes Darnold Mooney, you know, I, I, I've had this debate to death, I think, with a lot of members on Bears Twitter where, you know, they see him as a true number one, you know, ascending elite, potentially future wide receiver moving forward here. I, and I see Darnold Mooney as more like a number two. I think he's more of that number two, if, if not a number two, like a 1B to a 1A type of situation. Uh, kind of like like a Tyler Lockett with the Seattle Seahawks. You look at Tyler Lockett's career, he never really broke out until he had a guy like DK Metcalf, who was a true number one wide receiver, to really take the attention off of him and take the pressure off of him to allow him to excel and really use that connection with Russell Wilson to his biggest advantage. And I think it's a similar situation with Darren Mooney where he's going to have a lot of volume here because he is the number one guy in the Bears receiving room. He is really the only legitimate weapon for this Bears receiving core right now. There's nobody else to throw the ball to. So he's going to get a ton of targets this year. Like he's going to be great in fantasy football. That's for sure. Like I, if he puts together a top 10 fantasy season for wide receivers, like that would be the least surprising thing ever because somebody has to get the targets and the yards and the touchdowns and the receptions for this bear receiving room. Like it's just, somebody has to do it. Um, and Darnell Mooney is going to be that guy for this year. So if I'm the Bears here, you know, whether Darnell Mooney is long-term a number one wide receiver or a number two wide receiver, whatever you see him, um, you know, the Bears, I think they see him as a long-term piece. Um, I'm very excited to see what he does now that he's in a scheme that I think is going to be a little bit more beneficial for his skill set and a little bit more beneficial for Justin Fields' skill set to see what he can do here. Um, and regardless, again, if, whether he's a number one, number two guy, he's somebody the Bears should be looking to lock down long term as soon as they possibly can, as soon as they possibly can, because this wide receiver market is only going to be going up from here. Like we see all those huge contracts this past offseason. Um, it, it's only going to get crazier. I think moving forward, we look at this wide receiver market. So the bears, they'd be smart to lock down uh, Darnell Mooney as soon as possible. And just to make sure that Justin Fields, he has somebody here that he has a connection with uh, long-term here as he builds on his rookie deal, somebody that he can trust and really get the ball to consistently. And I think that's what Darnell Mooney is. So I'm excited to see that, that combination of fields to Mooney again, Long-term, they probably need to get another guy here to really maximize this wide receiver room and maximize Justin Fields and Mooney and, and all these guys, really. But as it stands right now, Mooney's going to get a ton of production this year. He's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to make lots of exciting plays. Um, and I'm excited to see how much of a step he makes because um, that's going to determine a lot of things here for uh, Justin Fields because if you're looking at which player is the most important player in terms of Justin Fields' development, it is Darnell Mooney. He is the most important player in the Bears roster right now in regards to Justin Fields' development. If those two are on the same page and um, everything's clicking for them, I, I think it's going to be a ton of positives for this Bears offense moving forward here. So really looking forward to what Darnell Mooney can do 
in year three here going into 2022. And I expect him to be um, a true staple of this offense moving forward. So uh, with that said, I think this is a good time to wrap it up here. You say for talking about this 2022 class, certainly um, we have a lot of players that we're looking forward to seeing in this next or 2020 class, I should say, but we're, we're, look, we're looking forward to seeing what these guys can do in 2022. I, I'm certainly looking forward to it, but now it's just, we have a lot of months until the training camp. And then from there on season starts from there. And we'll get to see these guys on the field and seeing what they can do in a game setting for this year. It's going to be a huge year for the 2020 class. You know, this is year three. This is where it all comes down to determining whether these guys are part of the future moving forward. And um, that's going to make this really intriguing. Again, will the Bears be a good team this year? Maybe, probably not. But there are still a ton of things to cover and follow along here for these young guys as this new regime under Poles and Eberflus tries to establish their foundation. So with that all being said, uh, I want to thank our listeners for tuning into today's podcast. Uh, make sure for all the listeners to, you know, if you're following Picks for Polls, make sure to tune in for uh, the Bear Report podcast with Zach and Aaron. Make sure to subscribe to us at the Bear Report on all podcasting platforms at Blue Wire um, or just anywhere that you listen to your podcast on any platform. Like, rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us out. We really uh, want to get that engagement with you guys. And, and speaking of engagement, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Polls, where we're going to be doing a lot of different stuff throughout the summer as well. Um, you said for our listeners here, where can they follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kojil. Check out my work on the Bear Report um, as well as the YouTube channel. And I'm going to start having some videos on there as well throughout the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give, you say to follow, make sure to subscribe to the Bear Report on YouTube. We're going to be doing a lot of different, or at least going to be trying a lot of different things on the Bear Report YouTube channel uh, throughout this summer, leading into the upcoming 2022 season. And as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ3125 and also keep an, keep an eye out for some of my work coming, coming forward for the Bear Report. Um, I'm going to be starting to dig into the 2023 draft class, getting an early look at some of these prospects going into next year. So uh, keep an eye out for my big board coming up, my first initial big board for next year's class, as well as some mock draft content for next year as well. It's never too early for a mock draft. So uh, keep an eye out for all that stuff moving forward on the Bear Report website as well. Um, but without further ado, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. Uh, I hope everyone has a healthy and safe weekend going forward here. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.